Hello, horror fan, best friends, and ghoulish nights, and welcome to the 35th episode of Murders with Mertens. I am your host, Joe, and this is a podcast about horror. Horror comedies, folk horror, body horror, sci-fi horror, the horror-adjacent thrillers, the psychologically terrifying scary films in general. Each episode, I sit down with a guest and discuss one of their favorite scary films so that we can gush about everything that makes it just so damned cool. Viewers, thank you for the support. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe if you are so inclined. It all helps to get the word out and bring some much-needed love to this little podcast. Audio listeners, the show is also available on podcast services around the world, like Apple Podcasts and Spotify, so don't forget to leave a rating when you stop by. Five stars is always appreciated. Definitely helps with people finding things. But enough of all that housekeeping, because tonight, I have the privilege of welcoming, for his Murders with Merton's debut, a lifelong friend of mine, Mr. John Heger. Welcome, John. Hey, Joe. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing okay, man. I'm glad to see you. Glad to have you on. This is something that's sort of been a long time coming, hasn't it? Uh, it has been. We've been talking about this for so long. Like, even before there was a podcast, we've been <laughs> talking about this one. This was yeah. another great idea. Well, ultimately, uh, you know, you were meant to be on the pilot and, uh, you know, thank you, Madeline for stepping in because that was a great episode and we had a good time and, uh, you know, that all worked out, but you know, life just kind of got in the way for John and that, that happens, man. It, uh, totally understand, totally, totally understood. Uh, but I, I'm glad I've worn you down enough to finally get you back on and uh you know on for the first time rather and that's cool man uh we we've known each other since uh you know we were just little shits uh and it's uh you know th this uh promises to be a fun time um absolutely yeah yeah well uh tonight's episode features 2004's horror comedy classic Shaun of the dead uh directed by edgar wright written by wright and simon pegg and starring pegg as the titular sean uh john why Shaun of the dead why'd you bring this one to the table so you know me that i'm not like the most in-depth horror fan of all times but i do <laughs> love myself a good comedy and yep. this one, when you when we talked about the pod, this would be um, this had to be the one for us because not only did we experience this movie together back in the day when it was released, but um, this is right up my alley uh, as a comedy and as sort of homage of all the uh, horror film styles uh, that were going around. Uh, zombies are a, a particular. A favorite of my kind of uh, sci-fi world so I, I just had to be Shaun of the dead yeah yeah I, I can't believe that this is like nearly 20 years old at this point it's uh 19 years ago sir um mm -hmm. this came out the same year as uh the uh james gunn written um uh, uh, Zack Snyder directed remake of Dawn of the Dead, which is a pretty fun remake. But uh, yeah, uh, this was uh, what was it? A romantic comedy with zombies. That was the tagline, right? Uh, and it works. It works. It's um, there's clearly love for all uh, all things Romero in this film. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, particularly Dawn of the Dead. 
um, quite a bit of music from it as well. Uh, you know, all that, that great goblin score, you know, shout out to Dario Argento and his band goblin. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, this for a lot of us was our introduction to, uh, Edgar Wright and, um, and Simon Pegg. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I'm going to eventually bring up uh, some of their other stuff as we move along here, but this is part one of sort of a loose trilogy known as, you know, the three flavors Cornetto uh, after the, uh, you know, the, the ice cream treats that they enjoy in these movies. Um, yeah, man, uh, this for a lot of people is their favorite Edgar Wright film. And you know, I, I, I don't have a hard time understanding why, uh, so many of his others are great, but, uh, I don't know that any of them just gel as well as this one does. And I, and I want to say like Simon Pegg as an actor for me at that time was a relatively unknown. Right. And mm -hmm. now that he's like built up this major movie, um, uh, resume since and you look back at some of his work and you're like, no, this wasn't his start either. Right. And I, I know you've got lots of thoughts on, on, on that kind of stuff, but I'm like, he has developed his, his uh, character and style, but he's carried a lot of those same traits throughout the, the movies that he's played. Oh, yeah. in, especially oh, yeah. the non, the non horror. Films. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just five days ago, I saw him in the new mission impossible and he's definitely looking his age. I hate to say, but, uh, but he, he's still, you know, carries his character very well. Uh, he's yeah. still the, that fun, bright spot of levity in those films. And, uh, yeah, yeah. He's Simon Pegg is always Simon Pegg and that's a good thing. Yeah, uh, so I wanted to add to that. One of the things that like really brought this to my mind that I had to do this, we had to do this at this time was some buzz that I heard about maybe a sequel coming soon about Shaun of the Dead 2. So, you know, I don't know that that's actually happening. I thought I read something about them being like, no, there's no reason to do this. So. <laughs> well, oh. in the case that that happens, the off chance we will do that movie together again. It'll oh, sure. be time to bring it back together full circle. And, uh, yeah, can't say no to that. Yeah. Hey, we could at the very least do hot fuzz because I will die on this hill, but that is a folk horror film. Uh, <laughs> yes, because Agreed. it kind of is, it kind of is. Um, but yeah, what, what, what do you say we get into this? Uh, you know, just again, starting things right off with, you know, just opening title cards of the different production houses and everything. And you get that sweet, sweet goblin esque music, uh, starting things off. And then just your cold open in the pub of John, just kind of zoning out over a cigarette and a pint as, uh, his, uh, his poor girlfriend, Liz is basically talking at him because, <laughs> He's again, a little checked out. Uh, yeah. it, it, John, have you ever seen spaced? Um, it's the Edgar Wright TV series that, uh, Simon Pegg, uh, did with him, uh, just a handful of years before this film. Um, it's, it, it was created, written by, and, uh, you know, starring Simon Pegg and Jessica Hines, who shows up in this film is all directed by Edgar mm -hmm. Wright. 
Uh, it's only two seven episodes, uh, seven episode series. Uh, they, they ran around 99 and 2001. Uh, it's like this nerd culture reference machine of the highest order. Um, and everything is edited in the exact same style of this film. Which is, which is fantastic. I mean, that, that, that was one of the things that I really enjoyed about this film was like they made appropriate use of shortcut scenes to you know cut short the time but then they also dragged out the right amount of scenes to give you the good jump scares all the all that stuff that was with it yeah all those fun little quick music video style cuts that you know just tell a quick little story of action like getting ready in the morning and uh you know just everything those those are very much a a, an Edgar Wright uh trademark uh just FYI if uh, anybody wants to check out Spaced it's still streaming on Tubi uh so you know you can watch it with ads of course but uh it's it's out there um but yeah, the opening dialogue between the two, the cadence of this opening, uh, a lot of Edgar Wright films, they kind of, uh, have this cadence of dialogue where, you know, specific bits will come back later. Um, and, and very much so it, this movie, uh, definitely rewards repeat viewings. Um, it's, it's, it's perfect. Uh, we've got this, uh, you know, kind of, in some ways in a first viewing an overwhelming, uh, collection of dialogue beats and shots and they all get callbacks later. I mean, this, what I describe this as in my notes, it's kind of like this, uh, uh, Russian nesting doll of a film in some ways. Um, it, it just unpacks itself later and it all kind of fits together just perfectly again, perfect for repeat viewings. So yes. Liz is, uh, kind of upset that she and Sean are in a rut. Um, his friend, Ed, uh, is well, not great. And, uh, Sean's always bringing him to the pub, which causes Lynn to bring Liz to, uh, bring her flatmates with her. And she feels that, uh, you know, Sean and, uh, you know, her, uh, her friends, uh, David and, uh, Diane don't exactly get along and, you know, they all play it off like, oh no, it's fine. We all get along, but it's clear, uh, he doesn't particularly care for them. Uh, it's also brought up that uh, Sean has never even introduced Liz to his mom, uh, and they've been seeing each other for about three years. Their anniversary was the prior week, and they still haven't you know done anything special for it. Um, things are just kind of eh in, yeah. in their relationship. You know, I that was one of the other things about this movie at the time when it was released, the time when we watched it. I was looking at this as like you know, you know, some kind of a parallel because here I am, I'm about to, you know, move on and take on more responsibility. And here is Sean in the same position, right? And the, and albeit, right, both very different universe here. But um, that was, that was one of the things that really endeared me to this movie is like, yeah, this is Sean growing up, facing new realities, um, moving on from his days with his bros, and on with uh, a, a serious relationship so you know relatable in that way but also you know i, I think that's just a a part of a, a great movie is that like 
it tells a story, you know, beyond all the other, things, yeah. you know, one of those themes. Oh, this is very much a film about growing up to a certain degree. Um, yeah. and that doesn't necessarily mean leaving friends behind or anything, but it does mean kind of making priorities and sure. yeah. Um, very, very, uh, very clear from early on in this film. Um, so Sean, yeah, he, he, you know, promises that, um, you know, Hey, they'll try something different. How about we, um, you know, book a table at that place that does all the fish and, um, yeah, that sounds great. And, you know, they, it's last call and it's uh, time the end of the night. And again, Sean just sort of zones out a little bit again. And we get into the title sequence, which is a ton of fun because we are introduced to all these minor little, uh, characters who will absolutely come back from the dead, so to speak, uh, later on in the film. Um, just a fun, well-directed title sequence. Again, Edgar Wright came from the world of music videos and it is absolutely clear. Um, yeah. and we cut then to Sean waking up the next day as he, uh, well, unfortunately gets ready for work. He would much rather sit on the couch with Ed and play some video games. I think it's uh time splitters two that they're playing. Um, some old, uh, PlayStation game that, uh, I honestly don't remember, uh, very well at all, but, uh, it, it is Ed's game, uh, awesome for sure. Market. That's all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so ultimately, yes, Ed reminds Sean that it's time for work Ed, uh, Sean goes upstairs, gets cleaned up, uh, comes back down and he's confronted by his flatmate, Pete who, you know, gives Sean some shit because Ed has basically been uh, couch surfing with them for a while and he's sick of it. And the scene in the kitchen is absolutely the perfect, perfect look at living with roommates in your twenties, right? Yeah. You've got the bin in the background, which is just an overflowing mound of garbage because nobody wants to be the person who breaks and is the person that actually takes the trash out. You know, this is true. We've lived Absolutely. through it um, <laughs> because it happens, man. It's nobody wants to be the one who always ends up being the one to take the trash out. And I mean, the, the kitchen's an absolute wreck. It's just, it's gross. And you know, they, they Pete just, he's done with it because Ed doesn't really bring any money in. They joke about how, you know, well, he deals a bit of weed from now and again, and he brings a tad bit of money in and you know, he's fun. It's like, remember that time we, uh, you know, stayed up all night, uh, drinking apple shops, schnapps and, uh, playing Tekken two. And it's like, oh yeah, yeah. How long ago was that? Five years ago. <laughs> When's he going home? Um, Peter Serafinowicz, uh, great, great, uh, character actor. Also the voice of Darth Maul in the Phantom Menace. Uh, unfortunately he would not go on to voice him in the cartoons and such, but, uh, I, I forget the uh, voice actor's name. He does a good job regardless. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, Pete, not so happy with that. Uh, he no. even, uh, corners Ed and, you know, asks him, Hey, would you mind, you know, since you're not working, 
uh, clean it up a little bit. And, you know, if you got to take some messages, maybe take all the messages for us. Meanwhile, Ed has taped a giant sign to the back of Pete's jacket saying, I am a prick. And uh, it's, yeah, it's perfect. Yeah. I mean, they did as, as much as they could there to draw the disparities between the adult acting Pete and the childish acting Ed, right? Like mm-hmm. everything, the hand gestures that like all, all the language, all of the, the ways that they interacted. It was, it was, it was well done to set the tone. Yep. Oh, and we get our first instance of the door being left open, somebody not latching it. And it basically just the front door of their house swinging open on its own yeah. because somebody did not lock it. And, uh, you know, they're Pete's blaming it on Ed. Sean knows it was likely Ed, but he defends him. Uh, ultimately, um, uh, Pete leaves for work and, uh, Sean tries to dig after Ed just a little bit and get him to do some tidying up around there. Uh, and Ed begrudgingly says, so he will for Sean and also apologizes. And he says, I'm sorry, Sean. And there's just this little pause. And he's like, yeah, it's okay. No, no, I'm sorry. And his eyebrows arch just a little bit. And uh, Sean realizes that Ed has farted. And uh, ultimately, that's what he's apologizing for. And it's been their shtick for their entire lives, I'm sure. Uh, Because there's the whole, I'll stop doing it when you stop laughing bit. Um, yeah. and this is where Sean takes off as well. And as he's walking out the door, the phone's ringing and Liz ends up leaving a message about how, when he books the table, can he do it for a little bit later because of her work and so on. And it's a message that he never gets. Um, and then we cut to this, you know, badass tracking shot. This is one of the coolest parts of the film of Sean walking mm-hmm. to the, the corner shop uh to you know get a coke uh to start his day and you know he passes by the the kid uh kicking the soccer ball around uh he passes by the homeless dude with the dog that he gives some spare change to he nearly gets hit by a car crossing the street trips on the uh curb uh after he gets across the street has a guy run past him jogging uh, ultimately makes it to the store. You see uh, a gentleman um, sort of in the background who's uh, clearly a groomsman for a wedding. Uh, he picks out just the the, the fully leaded Coke, uh, standard Coke classic, uh, and walks over to uh, pay for it. And uh, Nelson, the proprietor, you know, makes a jab at him. Oh, no beer today? It's like, well, it's a little early for me, you know. And, uh, <laughs> Well, he fucks off to work from there. Um, but pay attention to all of this because all of this stuff will come back. Um, and we cut to uh good old zombie nation, uh, playing, uh, I forget what the song's called, uh, in the bus as he heads to work, but it's, you know, mm-hmm. perfect musical cue for this film. Uh, so many wonderful references in the electronic store. It's Forey Electric. Ken Forey is the guy that plays Peter, uh, really uh, one of the main characters in Dawn of the Dead. Um, you know, they bring up how Ash is under the weather. Of course, Ash from uh, good old S-Mart uh, in uh, the Evil Dead series. Um, 
and then uh yeah sean has taken it upon upon himself to sort of lead uh these kind of hapless employees because he's the senior oldest uh employee uh it's a rape spall as the uh, uh asshole kid uh you know you, you've seen him in everything um a little bit later, Sean's got some customers. He's showing them, you know, as some entertainment packages. And as he's flipping through uh, the channels, showing them some stuff, like almost everything that you see on there will come back later. Uh, again, rushing nesting doll of a film. It's awesome. Uh, yeah. And then, of course, uh, after he tells this kid uh, to put his phone away and how it's not a social gathering, uh, his stepdad shows up, uh, Bill Nye uh awesome awesome turn in this film uh does this mm-hmm. cool 180 pirouette as he turns around it's just so odd and perfect and you know talks to sean about coming over for uh lunch the next day and how he needs to bring some flowers because he forgot to on mother's day i love the i was gonna and not some cheap posies i wasn't gonna um <laughs> <laughs> it's, clearly there is no love lost between these two uh stepdad takes off after pointing out that um sean's pen has been leaking and he's got red on him um and i'm pretty sure his pissant co-worker had also pointed that out a bit earlier and that will come back again and again and again uh throughout this film yeah um uh, and, and i found that the the phrase red on him is uh it was sort of like a i don't know Another foreshadowing kind of little, little oh, yeah. tidbit dropped. Big there. time. Because Big time. it was a choice. Red was a choice. Yep. Yeah, I don't know who actually uses a red pen unless they're grading papers. So, um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I get it. Um, <clears throat> and yet, uh, it, it was, uh, you know, perfect for what this was. Uh, and then, uh, I wish I could remember the character's name, the asshole kid leans in he's like i thought you said this wasn't a social gathering and he's like what you know how come you're allowed to talk to your dad he's like well he's not my dad he's my stepdad and you know i yeah contrary to what you believe i don't find it difficult to separate my work and social life and immediately somebody's hand reaches in with the phone he's like sean it's liz for you and uh yeah, the, the smile on this little shit stain's face is uh, absolutely perfect. Yeah. And uh, Sean tries to play it off as if this is somebody calling from, like, the head office for the company or whatever. Um, but, of course, it's his girlfriend, Liz, asking if he booked the table. And he's trying to give these terse, noncommittal responses because... You know, he wants to play it off like, no, this isn't somebody else from my life and I am not going to let you win, you little shit. Um, And so he basically ignores most of what she has to say about getting the table and uh, changing the time and all that. And, you know, he's uh, also playing it off like, oh, this obnoxious phone call. You know, he does the thing and uh uh of you know pretending to shoot himself in the head because of the inane call um and this is like another one of those plays right like you've been seeing this build up of is he dealing with responsibility how is he dealing with it does he have mm -hmm. internal tension about it and and you can see like how uncomfortable it is for him to like 
in some situations take on that responsibility yeah. while still trying to manage, you know, what he really wants in his personal life um, and so forth. So uh, it, it, it all builds into that whole aspect of like, am I doing the right thing? And, right. and later on we find the hero. Yes. Yeah. He will eventually rise. Um, and then work is done for the day. It's time to pop off to the flower shop. Uh, he's given the option of two different types of cards for his mom. It's uh, to a wonderful mom or how super mom He's like mm, the first one uh, while the clerk is filling everything out for him and uh, ringing him up. He sees this uh, homeless person across the street chasing after pigeons and uh, just when he's about to see uh, this guy bite the head off of a pigeon, uh, a bus comes flying by and then the guy's gone. Um, and also in a lot of these street scenes, there's occasionally military vehicles rolling by throughout this movie. At this point, there have been all sorts of like news broadcasts and, uh, newspaper headlines, just hinting at all this shitstorm that's about to pop off. Um, there there's again, there's a lot to see on repeat watches. And if you wanted to frame by frame through this film, uh, yeah, it's highly encouraged. Oh yes. It's good. Um, so he fucks off from the flower shop and he's back on the bus. Now, John, going through these, uh, you know, past three years of the pandemic, which is thankfully, you know, mostly over ish kind of sort of, we like to say it is, but maybe not so much. Uh, how much did uh, seeing all these people hacking their brains out and leaning up against him and everything else just like skeeve you out? I mean, it, even at the time, it was still like, that's a bit much. Like, mm -hmm. take care of yourself. These days, uh, I mean, that, that warrants a full sidestep. You know, I'm moving over. Um, yeah. 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 <laughs> And maybe even a harsh glance at this point. I'm I'm not sure what the what the new protocols are, um, but yes, the all of the occurrence of that was just it, it was uh, skin crawling in in uh, in review. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, so he, he makes it back to his street, and you know we kind of get the um, somewhat similar to the tracking shot. He's moving along. You see some of the same locales and everything. There's this car accident. And, uh, there's the, the horn just blaring from somebody slumped over the steering wheel and leaning against the horn. And, uh, Sean is startled, uh, with, uh, Yvonne, somebody from his past, uh, played by Jessica Hines from spaced, um, you know, calls out, uh, his name and, uh, gives him a great big hug. And, uh, you know, they're like, Hey, how are you? And it's like, oh, surviving. And, uh, you know, he's still with Liz and he's like, yeah, yeah. And it's like, well, I'm glad somebody made it. She says, how long's that been? Oh, well, three years last week. Did you go anywhere? Nice. And, uh, you know, yeah, because he's come to the realization that he fucked up on the reservation and he never made it. So yeah, he, uh, races home. Oh, also the, yeah. the thing about how, yeah, he lives around there and Hey, so does she, she just bought a place and she's like, I know a little bit grown up. Right. Um, uh, 
again because here he is yeah he's got two roommates and uh you know or flatmates uh and he's renting a house with them and it's like yep yep just one more instance of yep still not there still not there okay uh so he races home realizing he fucked up on the reservation and uh you know throws the flowers in some water real quick and um rips open the phone book and as he stabs at the uh the ad and um for uh fulci's uh it's uh clearly says fulci's restaurant the place that does all the fish <laughs> it's just it's not just a clever phrase it's the place yeah. that does all the fish and of course uh lucio fulci he's a famous italian horror director he's known for uh don't torture a duckling and zombie uh and yes the listing actually says the place that does all the fish i mean fucking love it and it's a blink and you miss it thing too yeah you, you can't do you can't do a respectful parody film if you don't honor the people who paved that path for the parody in itself that oh, was yeah. a beautiful little way of giving the nod thank you very much you laid the groundwork yep. for this yep absolutely um so sean has fucked up and uh yeah yeah i, I again there's I mean, gonna I be some want, want to add in there too that like um the idea that they had um those conversations the, the callbacks to the the prior cast that they've worked with all of these are, are wonderfully intertwined right they all just kind of bring together you know some of the um people that may have come there just to see the simon peg who they remember from space they might have you know um if, if it was a callback from uh, a, a movie that they were parodying like everything in there was bringing the whole the whole cat uh, the whole market along the, all the people that were going to come here for all the purposes. Mm -hmm. Yep. Absolutely. Perfect. Um, so Sean, uh, is not able to get a table at full cheese and it, no sooner than he gets off the phone, uh, disappointed from that, then Liz calls and he's got to try to play things off as, and there's a mix up with the table. Sorry. I don't know what to tell you. Well, Liz is pretty disappointed and, uh, she very clearly understands he didn't book the table. It's no, there wasn't a mix up. You just never did it. And he fesses up. And then when she asks, what is the plan? Then he glances around and Ed throws up a big W for the Winchester, the pub that they normally go to and Ed sheepish or sean sheepishly recommends it and she just immediately hangs up the phone on him and uh well he realizes he's in some deep shit so he grabs the flowers that are for his mom and uh he hurries off to liz's and um yeah I, again we're building and building and building on stuff that will get payoff later on in the film um yeah. You know, he buzzes to be let in and uh, Liz doesn't answer, but her flatmates do. And they're like, no, she doesn't want to talk to you. And he's like, hey, do you want me to climb up the balcony? Do you want me to you know, come through the window? Because I will. And he gets off the, the intercom with them and they hear him struggling to climb up and 
you hear a little thud and uh then you just uh you hear the buzz again from the intercom and he's like hi it's me again (laughs) (laughs) and and they let him in um and you he is not uh he's in for it uh he's um so Liz is getting ready to go out for a night with uh, David and Di, uh, just so that they can help her take her mind off of uh, Sean. And you know, he again suggests the you know they they talk about you know maybe we could just go to the Winchester, and he, he he's like, uh, oh, do you want to? And she just screams at him, no, I don't fucking want to. Yeah, and you hear his little okay and. Yeah, they uh, start going through the list of all the things that he promised to do for her. You know, he promised to give up smoking. He promised to go back to the gym. He promised to start drinking red wine instead of beer. He promised that they'd go on holiday. He promised that he'd try to get them free cable. And he's like, I'm working on that. Um, And, you know, in the meantime, he he, he's like, you know, I can do any of those. And he just takes out his cigarettes and he's like, don't need them. And he just throws them away and then immediately says, what was the next one? Because he's just that useless. Yeah. Um, and yeah, to Liz, it's just, it's not enough. She, she walks away and then we get this uh, very first moment where if you didn't realize earlier, you are very, very clearly introduced to the idea that there is no love loss between uh, Sean and David. Um, and uh also to sean it's very clear that he has something for liz yeah even though you know he's living in the same flat with his existing girlfriend diane um yeah not great yeah not great um he's telling him get fucked four eyes uh (laughs) it's a very unpleasant scene and then sean goes off after liz um they sit down together he tries to present the flowers as if they were for her but of course it's got the card that says to a wonderful mom he tries to play it off as a joke and she very clearly understands they were for his mom you know smooth she says um and this is where she tells him you know if, if she doesn't do something now uh if she doesn't make a change you know she's gonna just end up spending her every night in that pub drinking herself to death like those sad old fuckers and sean's like what do you mean do something and just cut to him being shut outside of the apartment building and sympathetic weather kicks in with the rain and he trudges away um this is just a fucking heartbreaking scene watching him go through this but i mean it's very clear he's a doofus he's brought this on himself it's 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 sad but also just this this is you know one of the many kicks in the ass that he will ultimately need in this film yeah exactly this is the internal pressure building on 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 multiple levels right with his flatmates with his mom with his with liz all of those things are building inside of him um urging him to make that change that he needs to make and it's clear from you know the group conversations the one-on-one conversations that he's he's gonna have to make that change um and you know 
point here is that you know he will he has to mm-hmm. he just doesn't know that he's going to do it with, uh you know in the manner he's going to do it nope not yet at least um so he trudges through the rain to the winchester he throws the flowers away in the bin outside he sees a couple making out outside the door doesn't really pay any attention to them um but goes in and meets ed and Oh, Sean is broken. Uh, Ed's doing his best to cheer him up. You know, he you know jokes about doing his impression of uh, the orangutan from uh, what is it? Every which way, but loose uh, the Clint yeah. Eastwood film. Um, and as they're having their discussion about the breakup, uh, of course, the jukebox pops on with Chicago. If you leave me now, uh, and they keep drinking their way along. And um, so uh cut to them discussing how hey these aren't sad old fuckers these are rich interesting characters and you know they bring up snake hips and the coccycidal maniac and then you know john the bartender and his trophy wife bernie and you know these will all be perfect callbacks later on of course yeah yep and uh then ed also basically describes the plot of the film just in how they're going to party away the next day, but it's all the beats that are going to ultimately happen in the plot as well. Um, back at the bar for shots, right? Uh, so to speak. And so it's last call and there's, um, the, the doors have already been locked and somebody is actually banging at the door in a slow shambolic way. Yep. This is our uh, first little zombie taste here. So Ed and Sean leave for the evening. Uh, as they walk outside, they see the couple. They joke about uh, uh, you know them standing there making out. And uh, as they turn their backs to them, uh, the head of the guy that the woman is um, kissing uh, clearly falls back on a nearly severed neck. Cause she's chewed her way through the, almost the entire thing. And as they pass an alleyway, uh, singing white lines, uh, a zombie stumbling towards them moans in perfect timing with them. Um, it's good. It's good. Yeah. I like it. Um, and then they cut away back at the house where they've got some electro playing and they're just kind of continuing to party the night away. But, uh, Pete, uh, marches down the stairs, rips the record off the player and throws it outside. And you get that, Hey, that was the second record I ever bought uh, line from uh, Simon Pegg. Um, Pete's kind of pissed. It's four in the morning and he's got to go to work the next day. And just again, the, you know, an immature 20 somethings um, while he's got, you know, some type of an office job. Um, it's just, it's his breaking point. And also, uh, he was mugged earlier and he's got a little wound and, uh, he's got a splitting headache because of everything. Well, apparently some crackheads tried to bite him. Why would they want to bite you? I don't fucking know. I didn't stop to ask them this whole thing. And again, Ed and Pete, their tempers just rising and, uh, uh, nearly comes to blows and we get the wonderful line of about you want to live like an animal, go live in the fucking shed and everything is just like every single line is going to be a callback later on in the film. Um, 
But uh, yeah, it, it, Sean explains that, yeah, they've had a few drinks because ultimately they split up with Liz. And uh, this is yeah. where Pete finally laces into him about how, yeah, and I'm sure she was the one that dumped you and, you know, just just dumps on Ed as well as far as him being a loser and how Sean probably keeps him around because ultimately it makes him feel better about himself and his state and his life. And it's wow. All this stuff starts to really hit Sean because before he passes out for the evening, he makes a fun little to-do list on the whiteboard on the fridge um, you know, about, uh, got to go around mom's got to get Liz back and sort your life out. Yep. And he stumbles backwards into a chair and immediately falls asleep. And then we get the perfect mat cut match cut of night turning today. Um, which I, I love, uh, it's, and it looks like it was done just by flipping lights on instead of a quick cut, which is also perfect. But, you know, even if they did do a, a, a cut there, uh, they managed to make that look absolutely perfect. Love it. Um, and then we get the awesome tracking shot of the street again, uh, because John yeah. very hungover is going to go get something from the shop and he asks Ed if he wants anything and you know Ed comments uh Cornetto uh he wants an ice cream for his hangover I don't know if it was uh that actor or another friend of Edgar Wright's who that was their hangover cure a Cornetto and that's oh. how it worked its way into the story um and then ultimately became the basis of the three flavors Cornetto um but uh the uh yeah. the fact that they brought this scene and compare it you know the the zombie world uh mm -hmm. experience of that morning and you think about the the prior's uh morning experience where it was you know the quote-unquote zombie world of normal life um just yeah. everybody's routines you know and the question it begs of course is who's the real zombie yeah <laughs> yeah, I mean, to a large degree, right? Because uh, you've got the zombie kid uh, stumbling around. Uh, there's uh, the homeless guy with the dog who's still a little ways off, um, but he passes him. Uh, you get him crossing the street, and there's the car that the guy was washing that now has a massive hole in the windshield. He trips on the same curb in the exact same way. Uh, goes past uh, an opening to a house where you know a phone's ringing off the hook and the door's wide open. Um, the the guy who was jogging earlier is racing by, clearly in fear of his life. Um, you know, you got the the cart from the guy who is like cleaning up the bins or whatever. Uh, that's all disheveled. Uh, and you see other people in the background shambling towards the camera. We, yeah. we go into the, the shop and there's the groomsman in the background, just slowly shuffling all around. Uh, Sean walks up to the cooler, opens it up. There's two bloody handprints on it that he does not notice. He goes to pick up the full test Coke thinks better of it because he's got to do something about his life and picks up the diet Coke instead. Um, 
I love that little touch. And then as he turns to close the, uh, the, the cooler and walk towards the counter, he clearly slides and nearly eats shit on a pool of blood. Um, <laughs> and he, he asks Nelson for any newspapers. There aren't any, uh, Nelson, I think might be kind of coming up from the background. Uh, you see somebody, but he doesn't make it. it ed just leaves him some change on the counter it says he owes him about uh 15p uh because he doesn't quite have everything boy that that must be a nice relationship to have um <laughs> so he he walks out of the shop again it's the other side of the street then again the same tracking shot as the day before uh he goes past uh, another doorway with a corpse on the sidewalk um and then this is where he passes the the homeless guy with the dog who's now just dragging an empty leash and uh he he doesn't have any change for him this time he mumbles something about not even not even having enough for the fucking shop um and makes it back home Sits down on the couch, sipping on his Coke, and Ed's not there. And he notices Ed is actually standing in the curtains looking out into the backyard. And he's like, there's a girl in the garden. What? <laughs> huh? There's a girl in the garden. So they head to the backyard, and um, we were introduced to Bloody Mary. Yeah. Um <laughs> And, uh, <clears throat> well, actually, even before this, uh, before, uh, he talks to Ed, he's doing some channel surfing. That's right. And that's right. I, I, I can't believe I missed this because it's the perfect, um, combination. And, and this is used in uh spaced quite a bit as well, where the dialogue from one channel to the next basically tells a story, you know, although no one, no one official is prepared to comment. Religious groups are calling it judgment day. There's cut to Morrissey panic on the streets of London. Uh, and then as an increasing number of reports of serious attacks on people who are literally being eaten alive, but witnesses reports are sketchy. One unifying detail seems to be that the attackers in many instances appear to be dead excited to have with us here. Uh, and it just kind of goes on from there, uh, as Ed pipes up that there's a girl in the garden. Um, yeah. it's oh God, it's so good. Um, <laughs> So I mean I I really have to ask because my my uh, my background with space is not going to fill me in with enough of this. But is this uh, is this part of the montage of um, believing that every channel is in sync with each other, or is that the message fractured uh, and pieced together is sometimes more intuitive than any one of them individually? <laughs> Ah, you know, I, I don't think it's actually trying to, you know, mimic anything super specific from space other than an editing style. But, uh, but ultimately, yeah, I think the commentary that yes, basically every channel is, uh, sort of in some ways in sync and, you know, it's kind of like when, uh, you're listening to the radio and it's an ad break and you go to change the channel and every single channel you change to is also on an ad break. Not that we listen to that much radio any longer, but you know what I'm saying? Exactly. Exactly. Well, <clears throat> and, and then we get, we get to uh, bloody Mary in the garden. 
Yes. Yeah. They go outside and you know, Sean's like, hello, hello. And of course, Ed's got to be a prick. And he's just like, he picks up a little rock and he's like, boy, he throws it at her back. And she slowly turns around and you get this wonderful reaction shot from them of like, oh my God, she's so drunk. And of course they, they, they would have said pissed, but they actually changed the line for us audiences because they, uh, you know, because they knew that this was going to play well in the U S and, yeah. uh, they figured that, uh, there were enough people that just wouldn't understand the, uh, the colloquialism, but, um, yeah, she slowly approaches them and, uh, you know, she sort of attacks Sean. He ends up on the ground trying to fend her off. And, you know, they, they both kind of think that she's, you know, drunk and uh, trying to come on to him. And, you know, Sean asks Ed for help and he does his two seconds thing. Um, and, <sighs> yeah. They've been playing around with this idea that Sean is just not aware of being or not able to take in the the uh, consequences of what's going on around him, right? Like Liz, obviously he's not picking up what she's putting down. Um, with his flatmate not getting it, um, and so when it comes to his first zombie experience, yeah, they're clearly playing that through. He's still not getting it. It's right there in his face on top of him. So it, yeah. it all, it all adds up. It all adds up. Yeah. And of course, Ed was running inside to get a stupid disposable camera so that he can take a photo of this girl, uh, coming on to his friend. Um, and you know, Sean finally pushes her off and, you know, she kind of tussles a little bit with Ed there and, uh, Sean's like, Hey, I'm warning you. Okay. Gonna have to get physical. And he finally gives her this big, massive shove and she stumbles backwards and lands on this pipe that's sticking up from the ground and it goes right through her gut and nice spurt of blood into the air as this happens. And they're standing there staring in shock, but then the body starts to pick itself up and pull itself off of the pipe. And you get that awesome shot of the camera looking at them perfectly through the perfect little hole through her gut. Um, and as she, you know, f gets fully upright, you get that wonderful beat of Ed slowly winding the camera to the next to the next available shot and Sean just smacks it out of his hands. And, uh, this is where they turn around and they find the other zombies standing there and, uh, well, they run inside and, yeah. uh, you know, they start checking the news and they get a little bit more advice and everything. And they're like, I don't know, what should we do? And, you know, are they still out there? And they, they open up the curtains and they're just kind of pawing at the glass a little bit and they just close the curtains, turn around. Yeah, they're still out there. Um, <laughs> it's like, I don't know, what should we do? have a sit down. And so they do. And as they're sitting there looking at the news, of course, in the background, the front door opens ever so slowly. And it's the groomsman who's got, you know, only one arm at this point. And he stumbles in and finally they look up and they, uh, you know, they, they fight him off and, uh, Ed smashes an ashtray into the dude's head and finally, you know, offs him. Um, 
and uh, you know they get the comments on the news about uh, yeah, yeah, destroying the brain or removing the head is basically what you need to do. And uh, this is where the zombies in the uh, in the garden start breaking through the glass, and they're like, "Okay, well, shit, we got to do something about this." So they they gather up a bunch of objects from inside the house. They go out of the backyard and they you know uh, get the zombies' attention, and they just start throwing stuff at them, and it's not working out for them. Uh, I, I love the bit of the toaster getting thrown at the big dude's uh, chest and it just kind of bounces off. Um, and then, so, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to like, uh, they're, they've come to the awareness, right? Like they've had that moment where they've come to the awareness that yes, the world has changed and we need to prepare or we need to do something about it. And they find themselves ill-prepared. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, that's that's the perfect analogy like you don't yeah. you don't immediately step into it and so they try stuff a toaster yeah 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 and and, and like a laundry basket a, a cheap plastic laundry basket it's um it, i i love that yes they're trying to step up they're trying to you know uh find a way in this wonderful new world here but yes woefully unprepared and this is where ed sees the record that pete had thrown out the window the evening prior and he picks it up and whips it at the uh, at the big dude and of course it shatters against the the guy's face with a chunk of it sticking in his face and they get the idea okay records and you get the lovely scene of them pulling out Sean's collection and they start digging through. It's a good thing. These zombies are the slow shambolic zombies because otherwise you'd never be able to get all these beats. Um, so they start going through and it's like, okay, blue Monday is one that Ed throws. And then, you know, unfortunately, yeah, come on. It's a good new order album. Um, and it's like purple rain. No, we can't do that. Uh, the Batman soundtrack and they're like, throw it and Hey, come on. The Batman soundtrack's pretty good. Um, <laughs> don't, don't waste any good prints. Come on. Um, and then, uh, they pull out Sade and it's like, that's Liz's album. And it's like, well, you can't do that. She did dump you. Um, and then Sean's like, fuck this. I'm going to the shed because they had commented before that it was locked. It's always been locked. You know, but Sean just breaks through that door. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, there's some nods to the evil dead inside this shed, but I didn't pay careful attention to it. Unfortunately, uh, they grab a cricket bat and a shovel and they just go to town on these zombies. Um, and after, uh, they've finally beaten them in a submission, they head back inside, uh, to, you know, have another little rest and recharge. And Ed makes the wonderful comment looking over at Sean, you've got red on you. Um, this time meaning all the blood all over his white shirt. Um, and this is where, um, you know, they start to wonder about Pete because on the news, they mention about, you know, people who have been bitten, uh, are turning and, uh, you know, Sean does his little sheepish Pete, Pete, call up the stairs. But, you know, Ed throws out an oi prick and they're like, nah, he's not home because uh, he doesn't respond. Um, and then Sean realizes that, oh, crap, Liz, 
and he goes to call her, but the phone rings and thinking it's her, he, you know, and calls out for her, but it's his mom. And he's like, Oh shit. I probably should have thought about my mom. Um, you know, you can, he doesn't say as much, but it's very clear. It's like, Oh, I was just going to call you. He says, yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, yep, yep. But, uh, yep. Uh, things are, you know, his mom is such a mom, you know, it's like, yeah, we're, we're fine. We're fine. Some people did try to get into the house, uh, but we're okay. We shut the curtains. And did you call the police? Well, we thought about it. Um, you know, uh, but you're all okay. Yeah. But they were a bit bitey. Um, oh, shit. Are you okay? Were you bitten? No, no. Uh, but Philip has, uh, you know, his stepdad and, he, and I love the reaction. Uh, Ed's super concerned about Barbara being bitten. Uh, but as soon as he finds out that it's only Phil, they're both like, Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's only Phil. It's okay. Um, yeah, I may have to kill my stepdad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so is she doesn't want them to cause a fuss she doesn't want to call the police she's you know such the perfect mother in this and uh then we get ed's uh perfect uh call back to uh night of the living dead with we're coming to get you barbara um and this is where they start to make a plan because uh hey we gotta do something here we gotta see to my mom I've got to get Liz. Uh, and this is also where Ed uh, delivers a little bit of horribleness because, uh, you know, because Sean is in love with his girlfriend or I guess currently ex-girlfriend, uh, he has to call that out as being gay. And, oh, you know, no. I'm sure we all said horrible stuff like this when we were in our 20s because, I mean, you yeah, know, 20 years ago, right? Uh, I'd like to think that we've moved beyond that. Um, and it's one of those things where sure, it's pretty cringy to see that in this. It's also good reinforcement of exactly who Ed is and how horrible of a person he is too. Um, there's going to be more reminders of that. Don't worry. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, they go through their planning then, and we get the super fun music again from, uh, uh, goblin from dawn of the dead of, uh, you know, putting the plan together, uh, how they're going to, uh, go to, uh, go to mom's kill Philip, pick up Liz and then come back here and, you know, wait for it all to blow over. And it's like, man, but we can't do that. You know, it's not secure. And Ed's like, yeah, look at the state of it too. <laughs> Yeah, the place that he was supposed to clean up, by the way. Um, but uh okay, so we can't do that. Now we'll go to we'll go to mom's, we'll kill Philip, we'll go to Liz's and we'll hole up there. And it's like, not doing that, because hey, I want to be able to smoke and I want to know, you know, where the exits are and all that stuff. And it's like, where's safe? Where's familiar? Okay, so now we'll go to mom's. We're going to kill Philip and go pick up Liz and we'll go to the Winchester, have a nice cold pint and you know, wait for it all to blow over. And uh, you got to always love the, the gif of Simon Pegg raising the pint and winking at the camera. Um, so this is their plan. And we get the, uh, the flavor Flav, uh, yeah, boy. And, uh, you know, now it's, uh, you know, we ready. We're ready. We're going to take Pete's car awesome and yeah i gotta pee first and he goes upstairs to do it and this scene 
where Sean encounters Pete is fucking scary because Peter Serafinowicz is a big dude. First of all, yeah. uh, he's, he's fairly yoked in this movie too. And ultimately, yes, he has turned, he turned getting in the shower. So he's just been standing there naked basically all day. Um, and he notices Sean, he starts reaching out to him and he's like, Hey, we're just going to go to the pub. He backs out of the room. And, um, so then, yeah, they go to leave. I love peeking through the mail slot. He's like, no, don't really see any of them. And then his eyes just happen to go the other direction. He's like, oh yeah, there's lots of them. Um, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a good little comedic bit there. Uh, and there's also the back and forth, how they're not going to call them zombies because it's ridiculous. Um, yep. And they finally make their break and go outside and, uh, well, they fuck up, uh, the kilo sentry on the car and fire off the alarm. And, you know, you got the kid with the soccer ball who of course kicks the ball at them in his, in his zombified state still is kicking the soccer ball. It's, uh, it's, it's perfect. The, the, um, the English passion for soccer is, uh, is a different thing. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Um, it's, uh, so yeah, they, they, they tear off in Pete's car and they've got music blaring. Well, ultimately because Ed's sick of listening to the news. Um, so he puts on this tape and when he looks down to do it, they, they hit somebody and you know, they, they're like, Oh shit. And, uh, get that great little beat of Ed accidentally honking the corn, the horn and that causing Sean to bounce his forehead off of the glass. And they, they back up and they roll down the window and he's like, hello, are you all right? <laughs> and of course the corpse reanimates and they're like, Oh, thank God for that. Um, <laughs> because they, they probably just killed this dude. Um, it's, it's good. Uh, so they, they finally make it to, uh, the neighborhood where, uh, uh, Barbara and Philip live and, uh, they see, uh, Philip's Jaguar in the, uh, in the driveway. And Ed is like, Oh, very excited about that. Um, but he's going to stay in the car and keep it running so that Sean can go in and take care of things. Um, and, uh, yeah, Sean does. And of course, John's mom, um, she is absolutely a mom that we all know in every single one of her mannerisms. This was perfectly written uh, for Penelope Wilton and acted by her. I, I appreciate that she gets to portray much stronger characters and other things because she's very much sort of a pushover too in this film. But yeah. I, I love her performance in this. Um, you know, she, she talks about, you know, Sean and Phil not fighting and, you know, ultimately glad that he came over and she's just ready to make lunch. Like the plan was going to be for the whole day. Um, yeah, this is, this is the mom where you're like, she doesn't want to overly complicate herself with things going on in the world. Right. Her mm -hmm. world is, is, uh, her husband, her son, her, they're just trying to figure this all out. Right. Mm -hmm. But ultimately missing a major plot line here yeah yo you got red on you and you know, of course she licks a tissue and starts wiping at him it's uh yeah and um 
ultimately, Sean, you know, talks about how he doesn't think the doctor's coming. He wants to get them somewhere safe. And uh, he finally goes to check on Philip. And, you know, he, he thinks that he's turned and he's about to bash his head in with that cricket bat. And, uh, of course, Philip calls out and uh, he startles Sean. And, and he doesn't want to go anywhere because he's feeling under the weather. He just wants to wait for the doctor. Or rather, he can't believe that Barbara called a doctor. He's quite all right. He run, he ran his hand under a cold tap. Does, <laughs> does anybody know anybody like that? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, yep. I, I, I have a feeling I'm looking at him right there. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Um, you know, they, they kind of have their typical back and forth, um, you know, this, and, and finally, finally, Sean convinces them all that they're going to get out of there. And, uh, after first trying to get his mom just to come with him and leave Philip, but no, Philip is going to come with him. And as they leave the house, um, ah, God, uh, his, um, expression on his face of you know he's um kind of like it's the look of a child who didn't get to get his way yeah you know and um as they're walking outside and you can hear some of what happened in the background while they're having their conversation in the house but they walk outside and ed's standing there smoking and behind him is uh pete's car uh run into a pole or something and oh yeah i um yeah i crashed the car i guess that means we'll have to take the jag (laughs) and and as they're having this conversation uh philip is attacked by uh probably the same people that bit him earlier uh and uh this uh the dude with the hoodie uh, bites into his neck, tearing that apart a bit. And Sean, you know, kind of fights them off and gets everybody in the car. Um, and they take off and Ed is blaring his music again. And Philip is having a shit fit because of the loud music, because he's, you know, that dad who probably drives in complete silence or with only talk radio. Um, we all know those dads too, right? Um, yeah. Yep. Um, and they get to Liz's just screeching to a halt. And, uh, Sean has been in the back seat with, uh, his stepdad the whole time. And of course the child locks are on in the car still after all these years. And I, how old Sean, he's like 27 or something like this. So it's, it's been a very long time beyond when those child locks were necessary, but, uh, ultimately, yeah, ultimately Sean climbs out, out through the, the sunroof and, uh, and, uh, you know, and tells him to keep moving and Ed's like irritated and he's just like, yeah, yeah, I'll do the honks. Um, and so Sean makes his way across the grass and, uh, dodging a few zombies, buzzes to be let in no answer uh and also uh they're all encroaching behind him and by the time uh diane gets on the intercom uh he's left and all she can hear is like a little bit of the moaning and stuff from outside but of course sean manages to climb up to the balcony this time 
Uh, and see, it's growth, right? Yeah, <laughs> he's he's able to do what he couldn't do the day prior, right? Um, uh, he also uh, manages to convince uh, Liz and her flatmates to come along with him, uh, which is no small feat because you know, first of all, uh, David doesn't want to go anywhere, but he also doesn't want to be left alone. Um, and uh, Sean reveals his plan. They're going to go to the Winchester. And uh, so they all gather up their blunt objects and uh, they go to take off. Um, uh, And of course, once they finally make it outside and smash their way through a few zombies, we get another unfortunate bit from Ed, which I will not mention here uh, other than to say that he uses the N word, at least not with a hard R, but still it's not good. (laughs) No. And everybody's face when he says it just falls and they all stare at Sean. Like, of course you brought Ed. Of course Ed is involved with this. Um, and they all pile into the Jaguar to take off to the Winchester. We've got three people in the front seats and, uh, yeah, four people in the back. It's pretty tight quarters. Um, And of course, uh, Phil is continuing to deteriorate at this point. Um, it's not good. He's, he's dying. And in these moments, um, he starts to really talk seriously with Sean and we get a really heartbreaking moment between the two of them about how, you know, he, if Phil understands it was hard, you were already, you know, pretty old by the time I came along and, mm-hmm. you know, I wasn't your dad, but I wanted to be, I wanted to be a good father to you. I hoped that you could look up to me. I hope I could, you know, raise you to be, you know, a good person. And, you know, I loved you in my own way. And it's, you know, what does he say right before he, he dies, you know, something along the lines of take care of your mother there's a good lad and yeah. wow. I mean, they really picked a, um, a class actor when they picked out Bill Nye. Like um, number one, I think when you go through casting photos, you realize you're not going to have a lot of stage makeup to transition him from live human to zombie. That's just a bonus. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's, he actually, he's got some good features for that. Yep. <laughs> Uh, the hollow cheeks of of, uh, of a oh, yeah. and strong cheekbones of a of a classic zombie, um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but also with that he's he's just he delivers. Uh, yeah, he's on point. Oh yeah, um, and uh, he, he brings a, a great bit of balance to the comedy and the horror of this film. So, mm-hmm. um, great, great pick. Yep, and this is where you know Sean basically tells him they got to stop the car because you know. Something's happened. It's Philip, you know. And Barbara's like, "Well, what's wrong with Philip?" And Sean's like, "He's gone." No, he's not. He's right there. No, no, you don't understand. He's 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 gone. He's he's died. And she's like, "No, he hasn't." Because of course he's reanimated at this point, and he starts to come to life and start to attack Sean. Where this is where they have well. They had already uh, spun out and stopped because uh, Sean had just screamed at Ed to finally do that. And uh, 
everybody's kind of, um, you know, yeah, it's a lot. (laughs) And of course, Ed and, uh, Barbara and Liz are in the front seat and they're all able to get out of there. Um, well, actually it's just Ed and Liz that pile out. They leave Barbara in there for some reason. And she's kind of freaking out. And, David, Diane, Sean, and Phil are all stuck in the backseat with the child locks, of course, uh, and they can't get out of there. So Sean's trying to fend off his uh, stepfather and, you know, Liz is like, Ed, really? You know, and they, they, they finally get everybody out of there, of course, leaving all their blunt objects inside the car, but ultimately trapping Philip in there. So they're safe from him. But Sean does a quick look around and the horde is kind of encroaching from all sides because, of course, they uh, were alerted by the loud music and the screeching car. Um, And there's this exchange between Sean and his mother, Barbara, about how, you know, it's he says something about him not being his dad. And she takes that as him you know being the asshole kid you know he's not my dad he's my stepdad type of thing but know what he means as there's nothing left inside philip of philip he's you know just another zombie now and of course at that moment very moment uh philip reaches out and turns off the blaring radio because that's what he always wanted <laughs> and, and, and Sean just kind of glances at him and the looks back at his mother and is like, hey, let's go, shall we? <laughs> and this is where they uh, take off and they're going through sort of the back alleys through the houses, uh, trying to get to the Winchester. And, um, you know, Sean and Liz have their little back and forth about, um, you know, how this, you know, wasn't about them, wasn't supposed to be about them because he had said something that made her think that, uh, you know, he was doing all of this just because he wanted her back or whatever. Um, and yeah. they decide this is a topic of conversation that's better suited to another time. And then they talk about how, are you sure we're going the right way? Are you sure we're close to the Winchester? And this is where we see through, uh, a hole in a fence that snake hips is, uh, being devoured by a bunch of women because they talk about how he's a bigamist, always surrounded by women. Uh, so yeah, pretty sure we're on our way. And then they turn a corner and we get Yvonne part two with all of their doppelgangers because Yvonne is essentially the more put together Sean. And then we have her boyfriend, uh, who is essentially the male Liz. And then, uh, you know, we've got his flatmates, which are the David and die, uh, and then, uh, her mother, which is a dead ringer for, uh, uh, Sean's, uh, mother and then, uh, dual eds. Um, and they're all played by other famous British actors. Um, uh, it's, it's perfect. Uh, Yvonne's boyfriend, of course, is Martin Freeman. Uh, it's, and I gotta, I gotta wonder like how much of this little snippet from 2004 film ended up feeding into the Zombieland two, the Zombieland sequel, because mm. really, two two uh, absolute symmetrical groups meeting up and and having an interaction. Um, I mean, more played out, better, well played out by uh, Zombieland, but 
Uh, I think this is the origination of that idea. Oh yeah. Yeah. Very likely. Very likely. Uh, so yeah, they, uh, talk about how she's trying to find someplace safe for her group and where are they headed while well, we're going to the Winchester and she's just like the pub. All right, well, good luck. <laughs> and they hug and everybody says hello as they pass each other. It's, it's perfect little beats. Um, and, uh, they move on from there. They, uh, head into one backyard. This is where, uh, Barbara thinks she knows some of the people that live around there. Um, they start, uh, climbing fences after Sean eats shit, trying to jump one. Um, and they, uh, get to, uh, a yard where, um, you know, it's like, okay, now just over that fence is the Winchester and, you know, we, we're going to take a look and, and then you realize, wait a minute, are we all here? And Daya's like, yep. And she does a quick count. Yep. Here's all, you know, uh, five of us. And he's like, but there's six of us. And that's where, you know, he starts to hear his mom call out. And he finds her on the ground and, you know, this is where, uh, the man in his pajamas comes in and, um, you know, they come crashing through the fence, fighting each other. And, uh, they, uh, use little children's, uh, backyard furniture to beat on the guy. And, uh, this is where, uh, Diane grabs the, the tetherball pole and pulls it out of the ground and throws it to Sean. And he's got this his face just lights up because he's like, yeah, I can swing this around like a, you know, like a morning star and hit, hit the zombie in the head with the ball. And it's just like this little tiny rubber ball. And it just bounces off of the guy's head. And he's like, no, that's rubbish. And, you know, die and, uh, and Liz motion that no, no, you know, jab at him with it. Right. And, uh, he whips it around in dramatic fashion. And there's all these whooshes as this is happening. Uh, I think this is, um, the making no, of it's, it's, yeah, something <laughs> like that. And, uh, he, he manages to impale the guy in a tree. And, um, after all of this, he turns around and, and just sees, uh, David and Ed standing there and he's like, feel free anytime to step in and help. And <laughs> what does David say? Didn't want to cramp your style or something like that. Um, so, you know, Sean completely exasperated. And it's like, okay, I'm going to, you know, get up on this thing. And I'm going to take a look and see what the situation is. And we're going to keep moving. And so he, he does this super pissed off Trump up the, the world's tiniest children's slides ladder. Uh, <laughs> it gets, you know, like an extra couple of feet into the air to look over the fences and then steps back down looking completely defeated. And yeah. you know, they're like, so are there any of them? And he's like, yep. Well, how many lots. And, um, and then the camera, you know, shows us, uh, the horde milling in front of the Winchester, uh, but this is where Diane gets an idea, uh, about after somebody makes the comment, I think it's probably Liz about how they're not going to get anywhere by moaning because Diane sees the man in his pajamas, uh, impaled on the tree, uh, who's just kind of moaning along and she gets an idea because, you know, she's an actress, right? And yeah. Okay. She's going to have her little, uh, zombie boot camp here for these guys. Um, and, uh, they all line up and she's, you know, like, okay, shake out, get limber or 
not. <laughs> it's probably a good idea to not be too limber if you're trying to be a zombie. But uh, ultimately, uh, she goes through them one by one, uh, kind of helping them to, you know, act zombie like. Uh, she comments on Liz's excellent vocal work. Uh, oh, Barbara. That's outstanding. And as Barbara just kind of stands there staring off into space and she does the whole, what? I'm sorry. I was miles away. <laughs> and, uh, David, um, you know, gives out this little half hearted moan, uh, and just kind of, uh, and she's like, come on, you can do better. And he's like, uh, and she's like much better. Um, they get to Ed, and he's like, I'll do it on the night. And Sean is like, this is the night. <laughs> what is it? And Ed does one of these, you know, just kind of like in a mocking way. And, and, yes. um, and, and, uh, Sean laughs at him a little bit and Ed's like, okay, well who died and made you fucking king of the zombies. And then Sean pulls off this absolutely pitch perfect zombie impression. And Ed's like, yeah, it was pretty good. Um, <laughs> So, you know, Diane, you know, counts them down and we get this perfect smash cut to them walking through the street and through the horde, uh, trying to pretend to be zombies and they're doing pretty good. Although, you know, they get a few close calls with, uh, some of them, uh, they make their way up to the front of the Winchester and they realize the doors are locked and they kind of call through the mail slot, uh, to John and Bernie, uh, you know, trying to, you know, let them in and Ooh, in a zombie apocalypse, maybe turn the ringer off on your phone is all I'm saying. Um, also I'm fairly certain after this most recent rewatch, that the person on the other line calling Ed is the young shit from the electronics store. Um, because he makes a comment very early in the film. You know, there, there's the bit where, um, Ed's on the couch and he's like two seconds and he answers the phone and how he's not holding. Uh, he only has a Henry says, which I'm sure is some unit of pot that I'm just, totally unfamiliar with sorry um but but ultimately uh when you cut to the electronic store a little bit later in the film uh i think the character's name is noel uh he comments about how yeah yeah he, uh when he's on the phone to his other friend about how yeah he called his dealer and he didn't have anything he only had a henry um so yeah, I'm fairly certain he's the guy that's calling. You know, it, it would it would stand to reason. I gotta say the uh, the fact that they use this uh, style of humor where you know the exact opposite of the line is what um, the exact opposite meaning of the line is what ends up happening. Right? You've got red on you. You mm. can't get anywhere by moaning. <laughs> right. Right. So, yeah, he's on his cell phone talking to somebody and Sean just smacks the phone out of his hand. It's like, Ed's like, what the fuck are you doing? What the fuck am I doing? What the fuck 
are you doing? And they get into it. And, and ultimately he starts really lacing into Ed. Meanwhile, Liz is like kind of tugging at his shoulder. Like Sean, Sean, Sean. He's like, what? And they turn around and there's the whole horde stock still silent, all eyes on them. Um, and they all start to freak out. And ultimately David just springs into action grabs a trash can, empties it and shucks it through the window of the Winchester. Um, yeah, cause he had to do something right. And, uh, they're all like, what the hell? And they're just going to follow us inside. And Sean, you know, finally is like, he absolutely becomes man of action again. And he, yep. he gathers the attention of the horde and he leads them off, uh, spec in spectacular fashion, because not a single one stays behind to mess with the, the remaining five. Um, so yeah, he, he runs off into, into the, um, afternoon there. And, uh, uh, they all climb inside through the crushed window after Barbara stops and picks up a bunch of flowers that she thinks are probably actually for her. Cause she sees the to a wonderful mom card. Um, so they're inside and, uh, you know, they, they can't get any lights on or anything. It's, um, you know, there's nobody in there and they talk about how they need to board up the window. And of course it's David talking about that even after he was the asshole who broke it to begin with. And, um, finally they all start to kind of unravel a little bit and, uh, David starts just turning full asshole and uh he starts throwing uh bags of chips and stuff at them and um as he uh throws a little pack of hog lumps i'm assuming those are pork rinds uh, uh sean just appears out of nowhere and snatches it out of the air uh perfect little cut because he's managed to give them the slip he has returned and now that they're all together um it's like what are we gonna do and uh there's that great little bit where uh, Ed has already stepped in and he hands him a pint. There's the whole thing about um, where David calls him uh, Sean's boyfriend and uh, Sean's like, he's not my boyfriend. Um, and immediately the pint comes in and is like, might be a bit warm. The cooler's off. And Sean says, thanks, babe. Um, <laughs> it's good. It's so good. Um Yes, uh, they're at the very least hetero life mates, and that's okay. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, they they decide. Well, what are we gonna do? And uh, cut to them sitting in the dark after having had many drinks, and um, yep. it's like, has anybody seen Ed's live impression from any which way? But loose. He's like, Hey, I'm not a performing monkey because they all start building it up and cheering him on. Yeah. And, uh, this is where I think the lights outside in the street flip on and they realize, okay, the power's not out. It's just like the breakers or something. And Hey, if we turn on the right ones, you know, we can, you know, get the TV going and watch the news and see what's going on and, you know, hopefully not draw too much attention. And because David's a little bit suspicious about all this, but you know, Sean, having worked at an electronics store seems to know what he's going to do here. And as he goes to flip them on, we realize, Nope, he didn't really give them the slip because they are all pawing at the glass of the back door. 
And there's that beautiful little moment where he just pulls the roller shade down <laughs> over him. <laughs> and uh, it's very clear that there's somebody upstairs too, because the uh, the door that's by the breakers, uh, uh, it starts rattling a little bit. So uh, yeah, uh, he comes in and uh, lets uh, Liz know what's going on. And she's like, hey, we don't want to cause any panic. So let's stay calm here. And in the meantime, uh, Ed had borrowed a quid from her to play the fruit machine. And of course, right at this moment where they decide they need to be absolutely dead silent to be able to avoid suspicion here, this is where he actually gets a, you know, a win there and it's super loud music and there's all this change pouring out of the machine and they, yeah. Um, thanks Ed. Yes. Yes. Ed has continued to deliver on the fact that he will not have appropriate timing for anything that he has not matured or figured out what is in the best interest of anybody else other than uh, possibly Sean. Yes. Yep. Uh, he is a faithful companion, but yes. yeah, not so great. Okay. Uh, yep. So as they're all bracing for what might come and everybody's putting a hand on the shoulder of the next person, this is where John, the bartender now zombified, uh, suddenly pops up out of nowhere. And then the jukebox, uh, kicks on. And of course it's Queens. Don't stop me now. And it's fucking perfect. Oh my God. Uh, we get Sean and, uh, John tussling and, uh, yeah, you got, uh, what else? Uh, you get Sean, Liz and Ed grabbing pull cues. Uh, and you get that great lineup of them and Sean flipping himself over the pool table and they all come up together with their cues. And he's like, all right, John, it's time at the bar. And they start smacking him with the cues in, you know, in time to the music. And there's the great bit of, uh, Diane and Barbara kind of bopping along to everything too, as this is all happening. And while all this is going on, because they know, uh, David is not a man of action. They have sent him to go, uh, shut down, um, the breakers because they can't figure out how to unplug the jukebox, I guess. Um, but, uh, as he's doing this, I know. I know it's, it's not that complicated. They managed to unplug the fruit machine very easily. Right. Um, so ultimately he's back there with the breakers, not knowing what the fuck he's doing. He's just flipping them on and off and all the lights are flashing outside basically advertising that this is the place free food. Yep. This is the place to be. Um, and, uh, then Diane finally gets the idea. Uh, all right, let's try darts. And, uh, she starts whipping them and Sean's like, no, because he's, you know, fighting with John, he's going to get hit. But then one gets stuck in John's arm and he's like, yes. And now he's like in the head, in the head. And of course the next one hits him in his own head. Um, and, uh, there's the bit with Liz, uh, smacking, uh, John around with the fire extinguisher and she blasts him in the face as well. Uh, and then Ed finally gets the rifle down that they all have been talking about throughout this entire film about how 
it's real because John's connected with the North London Mafia. No, it's not real because it's a fucking pub. It's probably deactivated. Um, and Ed throws it to Sean. Sean beats Ed about the head with the th- or uh, John about the head with the thing, and they finally force him head first into the jukebox, which finally kills the queen and uh, gets rid of uh, the bartender. Um, and <laughs> it's important to note at this point that uh, this is set in England, and the fact that there's a gun continues yeah. to be a rarity <laughs> that's very much so norm. so therefore uh for the american viewer out there it is a bit rare to see a firearm of any sort on display yep and and of <laughs> course they think it's just because the pub is called the winchester you know makes sense right right sure. well sure um and at, uh, Sean makes the comment about how, yeah, it's not real. And of course it goes off at that point. And Ed lets out this, I fucking knew it. And <laughs> it's perfect. When you're right, and, Ed, you're right. Yeah, you're <laughs> right. And Sean's like, all right, I'll give you that. And he pulls the dart out of his head and there's that lovely spurt of blood and gestures with it. And he's like, but dogs can look up um, because there's also been the running thing throughout this film. The big Al says the dogs can't look up and everybody's like, Oh really? They can't. And Sean has to say, of course they can. Dogs can look up. Um, <laughs> but yeah, great little bit there. Yeah. Um, and yes, uh, now we get the two planes of action of Sean preparing to defend the bar with the gun, um, uh, well, the rifle, uh, while uh, Barbara starts to finally turn. Um, and yeah, Liz is kind of helping her. And uh, we get this touching little moment where... Um, she wants to give Liz this necklace and Liz is like, yeah, but we're not together anymore. And Barbara's like, this was given to me by, you know, Sean's birth dad. And, you know, I want you to have it. And Ooh, it's kind of heartbreaking. And we get more characters peeling off from the defense of the front windows because something's going on with Barbara to the point where, um, really no, they keep passing off the gun to the next person and it's ultimately David left with the rifle and, you know, Sean comes to his mother's aid and they talk and then all of a sudden, um, she, she's gone. And then as soon as she fades, you hear the rifle cock and it's David pointing it at them and you know, he's trying to do the prudent thing and put a bullet between her eyes because she's going to turn, but also he's a complete dick about it. And we end up with a standoff, uh, because Ed, uh, I think he smashes a bottle and he's got that held to David's throat and, uh, Sean has something similar going on. And Diane's like, 
well, this isn't exactly fair. And they hand her a corkscrew so she can hold that, uh, um, John's throat or whatever. And, uh, Liz finally has to be the voice of reason and tell them all to calm the fuck down. Um, and she's like, I can understand, uh, David's point. If he, even if he's being a twat about it and, uh, ultimately, um, she uh you know gets david to apologize to sean and sean ends up taking the gun uh right around the time that his mom starts to revive and he ultimately has to be the one to put her down and ooh, does she get a fun snarl right before he does it's good yeah yeah i mean it it is kind of funny in in all of these movies any zombie movie i've ever seen you know, they, they try to deal with some of the pragmatic things about it, but in at, at the end, these are characters with intricate stories that they want to play out in a certain way. And mm-hmm. yes, the artistry of, of that snarl will, will go down as one of the good moments in this movie for sure. Oh yeah. Yep. It's, uh, yeah, it's good. And then of course, right after he does this final deed for his mother, you get David saying how, well, I think we can all agree you did the right thing there. You know, worst possible timing ever. Uh, and Sean hauls off and hits him uh, as he falls to the ground. Uh, so does the rifle. But David picks it up right away and aims it at Sean. Um, and everybody's just horrified. And then, of course, David actually pulls the trigger. But, you know, there was nothing left. Um, and everybody's even more horrified at this point. And this is where David's like, okay, yep. I've just shown all my cards. I need to get out of here. Um, and he starts to go towards the barricade at the window and start to, you know, kind of, um, you know, or actually I think it was more at the door, but he he starts to kind of, you know, pull some things back. He's like, nope, got to get out of here. We can run, we can make it. And, it's Diane that finally calls him on his bullshit. Like, Nope, that's a very stupid thing to do. And she ultimately lets him have it about knowing that he's always loved Liz, how she's accepted that how she was there to pick up the pieces when, uh, you know, he made a move on Liz and it didn't go well. Um, and basically she just puts him in his place and he, kind of fesses up to being an asshole and an idiot. And he apologizes to her right before the horde rips through the windows and starts pulling him outside. Yeah. It's uh it's a long time coming in his character development, but uh, oh, yeah. nobody said nobody's crying over this one. Not at all. Only Diane, only Diane, um, who, you know, stares in shock as, um, you know, his guts are just ripped apart by these zombies. And, uh, I think, uh, it's Diane and one other, it might be Liz that they each have one of his legs and the legs just completely rip off of his body. Uh, for some reason, the, those must've been the, the thinnest pants ever that he was wearing. Um, but and then they didn't work out enough. I, I think that's the story. <laughs> yeah. He skipped leg day. Um, so, 
Diane has not skipped leg day, however, because she goes charging into the horde using his leg as a bludgeon uh, to go after him. Now, apparently there is like a comic book or some type of a cut bit from this film where she survived the rest of the zombie apocalypse after she ran out of there by um, crawling up into a tree and then surviving off of eating David's leg uh, until things were back to normal enough that she could come down again. Believable. That's yeah. Really yeah. I, I think she's just uh, crazy enough to have done it. Uh, I gotta say, she was the only one who had empathy for, uh, uh, for David there, but, uh, um, and we felt bad for her, but, um, she's, she was better off without him. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, everyone is better off without David. Um, <laughs> Great actor. He's been in a lot of other funny stuff. He was on that show, Black Books, and uh, oh god, another Simon Pegg thing. Uh, run fat by run. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, glad to see his character go. Um, yeah, but yep. Uh, so the zombies are starting to pour in. Ed uh, has gotten the idea that. Uh, you know, he's going to run off and, uh, I, I, I don't remember somehow he, by that back door, he's back there. And, uh, you know, he's like, uh, Hey Sean, guess who it is. And, uh, naked Pete starts walking in and ultimately, um, as Sean and Liz are trying to fend off the, the zombies coming through the window and the door with like a coat rack or something. um, Ed is being devoured by uh, Pete and Bernie, the trophy wife. Um, And we, we get that uh, final callback from Sean to Pete of, I said, leave him alone. Uh, And he puts one through uh, Pete's eye, uh, which is amazing because it's been established throughout the sequence that uh, Sean is actually a terrible shot. Um, He's not very good with the rifle. He even has that almost big hero moment where, you know, he's about to use it for the first time. And, you know, the camera's all nice and tight on him as he's up with the rifle. And he's like, sorry, we're closed. Click. And yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I think this is the point at which the the storyline becomes very obscure and you're not sure who is going to make it if anyone's going to make it. And, and I think that's an important part of, of any zombie film is that like, you have to have a moment where all realities are considered, including the one where there's no, there's no coming back. Yeah. So uh, I, I do like the way that they brought that one forward. Um, and then, you know, the, the carry on from here is, is pretty, you know, pretty much the, the high point of tension through the whole. Yeah. Well, during this bit where, you know, Sean is kind of torn too, because on one end, he's got Liz helping him with the coat rack to kind of hold people back. But also on the other end, he's got Ed and he actually has to make a choice to get his life sorted out. And Pete ultimately helps make that choice for him by, you know, non on Ed. Um, 
because there's clearly no coming back from any of this. And even though Sean is kind of in shock by what's happening, you know, you do get Liz finally breaking him out of that by screaming his name. And, you know, they, they, she yells at him, uh, to head to the bar and they kind of do a final pushback with the coat rack. And I find it funny that he leaps over the bar first, but it's basically just so that you can get the shot of her falling on top of him. Um, but, uh, you know, a big hero there being the first one to jump over the bar to save yourself. Right. <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah, they get, uh, there and that Ed happens to flop over and he's not doing well. Uh, and they decide, okay, yep. Now we're finally gonna, you know, use this, uh, device that we talked about earlier, but we were worried about, you know, lighting up some of the higher proof alcohol because they were worried about burning down the whole bar while they were inside. Uh, but now it's like, desperate times right so sean uh splashes a bunch of alcohol all over the bar and lights it up of course forgetting that the box of shells is also sitting on the bar so now they have you know only what ammo is left in the rifle awesome uh and you know at the moment where they're like, all is lost. What are we going to do? Where are we going to go? And Ed has mentioned that they can go down to a cellar because there's a way to get up back to the street. Um, but, um, yeah, they're, they, for whatever reason, they're like hesitant to head down there. Um, but this is where the coccidal maniac, uh, steps through the, the door, uh, into behind the bar and then the shells start cooking off. Uh, and of course one perfectly puts itself between her eyes. Um, and this is the moment that finally motivates them to go for the, um, the, the cellar door. Uh, they make their way down, they, uh, lock it behind them and they can't find a way out. Shit. Right. And this is where, um, Sean starts to lose it a little bit again. Ed's you know, understanding that he's a goner. Um, yeah, it's, uh, realization came very, very late in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just say, yeah. um, and one of those things that I think that they, they weren't sure about is like, they, I think understood the layout of the, uh, of that first floor of the bar as if they'd slept there a couple of nights and, uh, knew how to let themselves out, uh, in, in different doors. But that basement, I don't know if I know anything about the basement of any of the establishments I've been to. So nope. they, they may have had the same issue there. Um, yeah, but maybe good, that was a good part of their hesitation. Yeah. Um, so they get down there and, you know, they kind of, because they can't find a way out, they take stock of what they got. Uh, they've got just two shells left for the rifle. Uh, Sean makes a crack about how maybe they could, you know, take out a few of them if they were standing in a row. Um, sure. Sure. Sean. Um, now uh, I'm Jedi. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, Liz is like, I wasn't talking about them. And he's like, I know because, uh, you know, she means that they need to off themselves so that they're not, you know, ultimately turn themselves. It's, you know, they're trapped. This, this seems like final moments. And 
this is the moment where the two of them sort of reconcile. Um, and you know, Sean, Sean makes the comment about how she doesn't want to die a single, does she? Um, which is, eh, yeah, not great, but also cute for them, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and Ed, eh, he's like you know it's okay i don't mind being eaten um but when they start to actually reconcile he's like yeah yeah i definitely want to go now <laughs> it's and uh they uh it's discovered that liz uh stole the cigarettes out of the bin that sean had thrown away the uh day before and uh they decide hey let's have one last cigarette here before the end and in the light from the lighter, they see the controls for the lift back up to the street. And, uh, you know, they offer to take Ed, but he's like, no, I'm going to stay. And um, they, they give him the rifle, Sean admitting that he's completely rubbish with it. Um, and, uh, yeah, they, they kind of arm themselves with, like, a chain, and that's about it. And... <laughs> Hop on the lift, and as they depart, they uh, tell Ed that they love him. He makes another horrible homophobic comment, and um, they make their way to the street. And it's chaos up there. You got zombies everywhere, the building burning behind them. And just as they kind of square up like they're going to have to fight their way through the crowd, this is when all of the military vehicles show up all at the same time. And, you know, you get uh, all these soldiers mowing down zombies. And then Yvonne shows up with them and a golf club, and she's smacking zombies left and right, um, including the twin zombies. She gets both of them. Um, she runs up on, uh, Sean and Liz, you get the comment from her about glad somebody made it. Um, again, you know, just got to keep the callbacks coming. Um, and Sean and Liz walk off to safety with the soldiers hand in hand. And, uh, and we move to epilogue. Yeah. Sometime later, uh, we're watching some, uh, some uh, different shows. Basically, everything on TV is about the zombie apocalypse at this point, because of course it would be, right? You have reality shows based around it now. You've got all sorts of interviews of survivors, um, and you get some uh, fun callbacks to stuff that was uh, shown earlier in the show, like uh, when they're at the electronics sh- uh, store and um, Sean is showing the couple the different cable packages and so on. You know, they've got Trisha who. Uh, I don't know if she's still around, but she was like the, the UK's equivalent of uh, Oprah. Um, and she's interviewing this woman who uh, still sleeps with her reanimated husband. Because um, that's disgusting. Um, yeah. And yeah, uh, we we cut to um, the, the same house that Ed, um, Sean was living in with Ed and Pete, where he now lives with Liz. She's on the couch watching, you know, kind of channel surfing, watching all this stuff. And he's just waking up, coming in and they discuss, you know, what they're going to do for their mundane day. And it's basically, they're going to make some tea. They're going to go get some ice creams. They're, you know, going to eventually go to the pub and they're going to wander home, watch some TV and go to bed. And it's 
perfect. This is their perfect idea of a perfect day together. And Liz, I think is, has had enough of the excitement and adventure that she wanted in life. And, um, you know, as she heads off, uh, uh, to put the kettle on, um, Sean requests two sugars in his tea, which is funny because earlier in the film, he has to remind his mother that he hasn't had sugar in his tea since 1982. Um, and, uh, he mentions how he's going to pop into the garden for a little bit. And, uh, she tells him to go on and you see him enter the shed, sit down and pick up a controller and start playing, uh, time splitters. And you hear a moan and see Ed lunge in and, um, you know, he kind of chastises him a little bit and make sure to hand him the controller so that they can play time splitters together. Uh, cut to some queen and, uh, you're my best friend. So, uh, that sounds incredibly dangerous and a great way to start that apocalypse back up again. But, um, again, Sean hasn't completely grown up, has he? Uh, yeah, I, I gotta say, uh, there's room, there's room for, for some of that throughout your life, right? Yeah. You just got to know its place. And I, and I think that's the other, that's the other theme out of this is like, yes, I have grown up, but also. I don't need to grow up entirely. Exactly. Not bad at that at all. <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, cut to credits from here, but let me ask, do you think Liz knows that Ed is in the shed? I think if Liz is smart, she doesn't ask the question. <laughs> I think that is a brilliant way of looking at this. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, cause, uh, they definitely have their little shrine to the side of the couch of all the people that they lost, uh, yeah. during those days. And you see little mementos from all of them. Um, so yeah, I, I, I have the feeling that she knows, but it's kind of an unspoken thing. Yeah. <laughs> Completely yeah. unspoken as in they have never discussed this whatsoever. <laughs> right but uh yeah man that's uh that's sean of the dead uh <laughs> hey i'm i was i was here for it i'm so glad to be here for it can't wait to do the next one though quite honestly yeah. this is uh this is such a such a fun format i loved being out here with the camera in the conversation discussing stuff because i mean i've learned through the process uh the whole thing and it's been awesome but yeah, I mean, I, I, absolutely. I mean, I think we, uh, we, we kind of covered the film to death, uh, for the most part, but is there anything that, uh, anything else, any final thoughts that you have on the movie that, uh, you want to bring up? Uh, I mean, on this film, I, I think we've covered like so many of the, of the things, um, I'd love to, you know, know that this was part of a huge anthology of, of work for, for so many people involved um that's always a key thing for me when i think about um, a movie and is, is that it brought something else forward um and i think some of the tri the uh the themes of it um and some of the style or, or plot lines carried on into lots of other movies and and enhanced mm -hmm. other people uh the careers of people that were working in this film 
So, oh yeah, I, I, this was such I a launching was, off point for so many people. Yeah, yeah. I, I so, thought it was great. Yeah. Well, John, if you'd like, where can people find you? You can always find me uh, on Discord here. Um, you can find me in general in life uh, on a soccer field somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, always re- you can reach me out at uh, Twitter and also on the Facebooks if you're there. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, again, thanks for coming on. I appreciate you, man. This has been a long time coming. So love you, brother. Yeah. Uh, but uh, this has been Murders with Mertens, a horror film podcast. Thank you for letting us tickle your ear holes. Please like, share, and subscribe if you are so inclined. I'll be back soon enough with another episode. But until next time, stay spoopy, everyone.